I just had a call early this morning where one of my uh, mentors is like, hey, we have an opportunity. We're going to bring on our mentee. I'm like, I love it. So in those six months, they got to know, but I was intentional. I put them there because I knew that client had a strong supplier diversity target, which I knew that supplier could help them in that space. And that mentor understood the value add. Welcome to Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground, where we talk about supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity with everyone from academics, historians, and business leaders. With your hosts, Chloe Guidry-Reed and Adam Moore, you'll hear inspiring stories and practical tips for overcoming challenges and gaining insight into supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity. Let's dive in. This episode is brought to you by Higher Ground, Higher Ground is a technology company whose mission is to bridge the wealth gap through access to procurement opportunities. Higher Ground is making the enterprise ecosystem more viable, profitable, and competitive by clearing the path for minority-led, women-led, LGBT-led, and veteran-led small businesses to contribute to the global economy as suppliers to enterprise organizations. For more information on getting started, please visit us at higherground.io. That's H-I-R-E-G-R-O-U-N-D.io. Now on to the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground. You're joined again by your two favorite hosts. I'm Adam Moore, here again with Chloe Goodry-Reed. And today, we're joined by, well, I'm going to say it, one of my biggest idols in supplier diversity, someone that I really have tried to model my own career over, the infamous, can I say infamous? Infamous, Meadra Dixon, Global Supplier Inclusion and Sustainability Lead at Accenture. Nidra leads Accenture's efforts in maximizing procurement opportunities with diverse and small business as suppliers and subcontractors within 20 countries. Additionally, Nidra is responsible for the growth of Accenture's diverse supplier development program. Welcome to the show, Nidra. It is awesome to have you on with us today. I have been looking forward to this interview ever since I knew you were on our calendar. Yes. I'm going to stop fanboying and now try to actually interview you. Yes, oh, Nidra. Thank, thank you so much for coming on. We're so excited to have you. Thank you. My pleasure. I'm looking for a great discussion as I know it will be. So I'm excited. Thank you both for having me. Yes, 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 yes. Well, let's start with Nidra. Can you tell us a little bit about what your role is? And, you know, I guess, you know, high level, I, I, I would think that everyone's familiar with Accenture and what Accenture does, but just, you know, I think I just want to just cover the gamut, you know, tell us a little bit, little bit about Accenture and what Accenture does. And I'm going to throw in one other little caveat. One of the things people might not realize in the world of supplier diversity, sustainability is getting added to our jobs, right? And Absolutely. you see that in Nidra's yes. title. Yeah. When you talk about that, Nidra, can you talk about how you, we, and we're all seeing this, start as supplier diversity. And all of a sudden I was like, I'm the recycling police. I don't think I understand what's going on. So. <laughs> Exactly. Um, So, you know, Accenture, the one thing um, I think everyone knows is that we're definitely a technology consulting firm. So we've always, if you look at our name, our name is Accenture, is accenting to the future. And so we're constantly always looking at what's next. And so we want to help our clients really think about how we can leverage technology. How can we still do that and maintain our carbon footprint, which sustainability is defined so many different ways, which I'm sure we'll get into. But I have the the honor, I think I have 
have one of the coolest roles at Accenture where I not only get to work with small and diverse businesses, but I am, one of my KPIs is how do I integrate them successfully into our supply chain? So it's about really integrating them, leveraging them. And now what I get to do in a center of excellence, I get to work side by side with the small and diverse suppliers with our clients. So our clients can get tier one spin and then we actually pick up that risk from that diverse supplier. So now we're able to really help that diverse supplier grow and allowing our clients to really get to see the great work that diverse supplier can do while we're still building our relationship on a larger scale with our clients. So I call that my three times win. That's an amazing model. That is and an I hope amazing the big, model. I hope the big four is listening to this because- I have only seen this model one place. And, and it's, it's just new for me. I, it, it I think a it's amazing to really um, to get this model out. So I tried it on a smaller scale. Yeah. And, um, and it worked so well. I mean, the, the diverse supplier just flourished because I was able to carve out their sweet spot. And they knew it, they knew it well, and they had a chance to really meet the client and work with the client. And the client was paying them directly tier one spin, but everyone says the business is too small, too risky. So guess what? I put them right along the side of our Accenture people. So they're right there. So now they're getting to see them. They're getting to see the value add that diverse suppliers bring in. And I think that's the key is that we're not just checking the box. There's value there. There's knowledge there. That's that's It's like mm-hmm. tier two on steroids. It is. <laughs> yes. And exactly. I mean, you guys are using it as a revenue generator. I mean, you're right. meeting the needs of your clients and also potentially wrapping around some of the services that, that maybe that diverse supplier couldn't provide. So it's also just creating this triple ripple effect for not only the diverse supplier, but also for Accenture. Exactly. And there's, there's enough for everyone, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It comes back to what Chloe and I said that if you do not have a supplier diversity manager in place who understands that their role is also a revenue generation role or should be a revenue generation role, you probably have the wrong person. Exactly. And you can still have both. You could have that value oh, yeah. revenue. Yes. Yes. And, and I think that the key to a lot of this is sometimes people have to see others in action to actually understand how can I really successfully integrate someone into our supply chain? And, and we see all of the issues right now in the supply chain. Uh, hello, that's where we can use some of these small and diverse businesses to really help do the supply chain, right? Yeah, yep. absolutely. Absolutely. So, so tell us a little bit about, you know, running a global supplier inclusion program. I mean, you guys do it so well. Talk to us a little bit about how you go about it and how you think about it. Oh, wow. One, you don't get any sleep. Um, (laughs) But I I think this is where you really come into what we call our um, supplier inclusion champions. Mm. So in this 20 countries, I might not have a full-time resource there, although I do have a team of 20 that covers these countries. And by the end of this year, we'll have expanded to 24. 
I do have local people and so important to understand what those local laws are. So when you think about growing your program globally, think the rest of the world is catching up to our federal plan. So our federal, it said, you know, when we established that there must be a small business there, we're now seeing that in other countries. So you can see that in South Africa where we're doing black owned businesses, but it's so key to understand that because the black owned businesses in South Africa is everyone that's non-white. Right. So right. if you're Asian, Hispanic, you're going to be considered a black owned business. Mm. And so yep. it's so key to understand what are those local laws and legislations and how is diversity defined? Yes. And then what I think the other thing is, and I think it's so important in how we had to put in a governance model, is in the U.S. you have your certifications. As we talked, you have those bodies that certify and make sure they're 51% owned. When exactly. you get in some of those countries where there's no um, certifying body, how are you going to ensure and to cut down on that risk mitigation on that it is a diverse owned business? Yeah. And right. so, you know, we created a governance model that we continue to upgrade. And that's just working alongside our risk mitigation and yeah. beginning to check some of that on our own. So I think. It's, it's definitely so much you learn because what I found, there's so much to under, you know, to discover and in innovation yeah. in some of those countries. Like I have a young black scientist that's 26 years old in the UK who developed twipes, which are biodegradable wipes. And oh, he was in a incubator coffee shop in the UK. Like, wow. You, it's so many different areas and ways to do it, but really getting in to help her grow and scale and now having her products in department stores in the UK. That is the value yeah. that you get to see with supplier diversity and on a global landscape. Yeah, oh, I wow. love that. I That's absolutely amazing. love that. So let's talk about let's let's go into reporting for just a second. I think I went off script, but, you know, that's what I do on this show. Um <laughs> So when you're talking about reporting, you're talking about reporting spend, right? And I hate to use these archaic things, but these are things that we talk about in this profession. And you're counting offshore spend. Are you using the U.S. definition of diverse or are you using that local definition of diverse, right? Because like you said, all black businesses in South Africa are non-white owned. In Denmark, I know they have a specification. They consider education being a minority um, sort of, you know, a minority level too, that they consider diverse. So talk to us a, just a little bit about that for those of us that are in the corporate side of it going, how do we even think about starting international spend? Oh, yes. That reporting is, um, I always think that's such a good gap for any anyone wanting to come in. How do you simplify that? But Adam, you're right. I The way that I report my spend is I have my U.S. spend and then I report it per geography, per country. And the reason I do that, being a publicly traded company, I'm audited on every number that I send out. And, and you know, if even like we ended our FY21 in the U.S. with 33% of our total U.S. spend. It was 33.4. So I was saying 34%. I'm like, give me my percent. Our audit team said no. 
know, <laughs> this, is, this is 33. Round down. So that is why we go to that local, um, you know, country, just as you said, there's some different laws. And if you start working in the UK and you're reporting that small, medium enterprise, you have to report some of that spin if you're working with the government to the parliament. And so there's a lot that you have to have in those definitions. So I would not go by what that definition is in the U.S. So to meet that legal and legislation requirement. So does that require a lot? So that means I do have someone full time on my team and all they do is reporting and data analytics. Um, and because it's so important to understand what is counted. And what's so important is that there's not double and triple counted. So um, one in one country, I was like, oh my God, we have double digits. This is great. <laughs> and I started going through it. I was like, oh, that, that's the same. <laughs> no, that's the so, same. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I think it's so important to follow what those local laws are and not to expect to have double digits in that diversity spin, especially when you're coming into those countries. And so we kind of divide them up as the way I see if this is an established country, then we've defined criteria what's established. And then we have one for emerging. And this could mean that the legislation is now coming down, but it hasn't really been a force. And then we have exploratory. And when I say exploratory, we knew like in the UAE, when women just came to drive just a couple of years ago, then we know that women were going to start working on their businesses. So that could be exploratory there. But then we do understand what LGBT is not legal. So it's understanding that to make sure you know, of safety and understanding global data privacy. So the other thing when you're expanding global, this one to me is huge of anything is the global data privacy and oh, GDPR. The fines that are associated with that are Enormous. very yeah. expensive. Yeah. It is 6% of your total global revenue. So think about it. Accenture is a $50 billion company. If I did some of that, that's 6% of that. Yeah. yeah. So it is so important to understand what are those laws. So we take a, a, a different, it has to go through a criteria and we make sure that we have what we call our country managing director, that executive person, that we have that support because we need that executive support to understand what we're going to do. And that's how reporting comes in. And that's why we're going to follow those local laws, which is so important. That's awesome. That's mm. awesome. So much to consider. It is. It really is. Everybody wants to expand global. Oh, yeah. It's great. But I think it, it does take time. And I always say the whole program is a journey, right? So it's a journey. It's, it's great to expand. But what are you doing? Are you expanding just to say I have this country? Or am I expanding to really make that difference? And, and that's what we have to do. Right. It comes back to what we say all the time. You mm -hmm. have to have intentionality in whatever you do. In this, in this sector. Absolutely. And we talked a little bit of just about sustainability just in general. So when you look at overall supplier diversity and supply chain sustainability, how do you guys sort of think about how do we keep our supply chain sustainable? Oh, wow. That's that one. I, you can have a whole segment on. Yes. You know, just <laughs> I bet we can. You might <laughs> yeah. be coming back. 
<laughs> you know, and I think the the first thing I always say is how are they defining sustainability? Absolutely. And and under our umbrella of of sustainability at Accenture, of course, is going to come apart. What is our you know carbon neutral? And right. you see a lot of corporations um, setting these net neutral goals. And I had no idea really what that meant. So it's no. like we're a consulting firm. We travel quite a bit. Right. So now we understand if I'm traveling, how many trees am I planting in the rainforest mm. to make sure that I'm offsetting what my carbon emissions is? Right. So when you see all of these companies saying they're going to be, you know, net neutral, how are they offsetting yeah. those goals? Right. Mm. And that to me is, is really important, but where it comes in with supplier diversity is when you really start looking at the supply chain in a lot of manufacturing, hotels, when they're now starting to get third parties to help them. That also goes into human trafficking. That goes into, oh, yeah. goes into you know, um, labor, child labor laws. Right. Because now when we're seeing the disruption in the supply chain, it's going to start going down to some of these, you know, third countries that have not have a strong infrastructure. Mm. And so you start looking at what is going to be into all of that. Most of those countries are not going to be using renewable energy. So they're not going to be using the best resources that we have. So it's going to take up so much. But where I think supplier diversity also can play a part in that is if you look at, there's a company called Volt Energy, one of our graduates yes. um, in our program. Yep. And what Volt Energy has started doing is a lot of solar panels in, you know, underserved locations. And he's actually partnered with Microsoft mm. to really begin to see how can they begin to look at renewable energy in some of those um you know, areas where they're not going to be able to be right. sustainable with power that's going to really help our planet be sustainable. So I think that's a good cross-section that you can find with supplier diversity, because if you think about it, we're helping underserved communities is what supplier diversity is doing. And when you start thinking about what resources are being leveraged in the world or even if you're in the US, it's it's in those same communities. So I think that's the tie that you're starting to see with, with both of them, but it's going to expand even more, right? Because we're running out of resources. The supply chain is just is oh, yeah. not catching up with it. I just think that, you know, how you guys are tackling it and how you guys help with, you know, connecting your clients and your suppliers and solving some of these larger issues is just incredible. And I think, you know, one of the things that I admire so much about you and Accenture is the development program that you guys have to just kind of help these suppliers get to a place where they're able to really get in and, and solve some of these larger challenges. And, the program that you guys have, um, and I, I mean, is just the way that we've talked about it. It is unlike anything that I've heard or seen. And so I want to spend some time talking about how you came up with that, how, you know, you've got been able to get um, a lot of Accenture support and your colleagues oh, involved yeah. in the mentorship process yes. and also just some of the outcomes that you have. I mean, it's just, it's so inspiring. I was almost moved to tears a lot, the very first time you were telling me about it. I'm like, this is incredible. Petra, mm -hmm. you're amazing. Oh, it, it has not come, <laughs> thank you, but it has not come without lessons learned, right? Yes. And if oh, I sure. think sure. about 
the very first time we all said, we want to mentor suppliers. Literally, we scratched this out on a napkin and we said, we really need to help suppliers because it all came in with trying to understand how complex some large corporations are. I'm like, I've been here 20 years and I still don't understand this place. So imagine if a small business comes in and really tries to to navigate. So in that first time, we just got anyone who volunteered and we just gave them a supplier. That was great. But then the feedback we got from our mentors were like, I felt like I could have helped them if they were, if we were in the same space. Yeah. I was like, ah, Ah, let's just get all these suppliers and let's get all these mentors. Yeah. So we can have this number. And then that's when I realized I need to have more substance than having this. So that began to take a lot of time up front. Mm-hmm. which was was well worth it, which meant I need to get to know the suppliers. Mm-hmm. And then one of the KPIs that I have for my team is how many town halls have you presented our capability on? Right. We're constantly uh. growing. So people need to know that we have this capability and right. that our clients are also doing this. And so when that would happen, it would be, hey, we just found someone in cybersecurity and they're so good. And we're like, ah, oh, that's growing. Let's go and see if we have a diverse supplier uh-huh. in cybersecurity. Yeah. Yeah. So it really became intentional, Adam, to your point that you're saying, yep. but we became intentional in matching. Which is so important because that's where you really see the growth. Mm -hmm. And we went a step further is even the personality. So we actually have to match the personality and I have to be, I'm okay to remove a mentor. So because we give the mentors and we give everyone training. So I think that's important too. But what's important, I think, when in, in finding those suppliers is What's in the market? So one thing is they're not guaranteed to do work, but with the program for 18 months, why can't we find them work? (laughs) Why can't we? There should be an opportunity coming up somewhere in our our global organization. Yes. Right. 18 months of you getting to know this supplier and you getting to know a part of Accenture's business and they're there to help you with ever things that we've already identified Why is there not an opportunity? So I make everyone tell me why. So in the check months, I do in check-ins with all suppliers and with all mentors. And I say, okay, it's we're at a six month mark now in our US program in this class. And so I met with one of our entrepreneurs who said he wasn't getting any, any traction. And I talked to the mentor and the mentor is over here looking for everything. And the supplier decided they don't want to be in the program. Mm. And so when I talked to the supplier, he says that, you know, I'm not getting an opportunity. They weren't talking. So the, the, the mentor over here is already has an opportunity, you know, waiting for the supplier to schedule the meeting. The supplier is waiting for the mentor to just come with this opportunity, but they still have to get to know each other. So that's why I tell people it takes time. So that's why this is 18 months, which turns off a lot of, of people, but we want to be respectful that that supplier is running a business. So right. what we require is for them to meet at least an hour a month. But what we found is once they get into that rhythm, they're meeting more than more one than, hour a month. I so bet. Like, yeah. Right. right. 
I just had a call early this morning where one of my uh, mentors is like, hey, we have an opportunity. We're going to bring on our mentee. I'm like, I love it. So in those six months, they got to know, but I was intentional. I put them there because I knew that client had a strong supplier diversity target, which I knew that supplier could help them in that space. And that mentor understood the value add. So that means a lot of pre-work. And so it's a lot of pre-work, but we only have 25 people in this class and that's large mm-hmm. for us. Right. Mm-hmm. That's, that that's a large class because mm-hmm. it's so important to continue to check in with them. Yeah. But the reason we have more mentors than I have suppliers is because the mentors word of mouth, yeah. they, the suppliers have helped them at their client. And they would come in and say, I get mentors calling me saying, hey, can I be in your next program? Mm. This is what the client is looking for. Now, that is a true testament because we all know how difficult it is just in general to get internal support. And you have people calling you wanting to support you. I mean, that is a true testament to the success of the program because good news travels fast and so does bad news. Exactly. So, so yeah, resources too. So keep in mind, I have someone that runs the work stream globally. So, um, August, I mean, October 19th, we launched our, um, what we call our ANZ, which is Australia, New Zealand. Mm -hmm. So, which was a year in the making. So I want everyone to understand that's where that time comes in. So we once had to get with supply nation understood Mm -hmm. what's coming down with some of the indigenous owned businesses. I had to go in, talk to the country managing director Mm -hmm. to let them see what's going on. My person on my team there needed to get to know what the businesses were doing. So there was a lot of research that goes in and we just brought in only six suppliers, but we've only been doing this in what, October 19th. We now have one of them saying they have worked for one, one of the suppliers. Wow. That's awesome. And it's because of all the pre-work. So when people are building out supplier diversity programs, think that you really are going to have to invest in the people. And I I call it my building the house model. It's invest, innovation, and involvement. Mm. Investment is laying that foundation. Mm -hmm. Innovation is building your walls. And you must be involved to build that house to be sustainable and supplier diversity. Yeah. Because if the foundation is shaky, then... Where, where are you going? You're building, where are you going? Where are you going? And I think to your point, I mean, so many companies don't really think about, you know, how are we building this? What are our KPIs around supplier diversity? And I don't know if you want to share a little bit about the training program or things that you've discovered that other companies where there's some myths because right. there is an alignment and it's the big. foundation yeah. is not really there. And so they're yeah. focused, you know, and I mean, I guess it's debatable. It's subjective. They're focused on the wrong things, but for every organization, it's different. But I mean, focusing on the wrong metrics and not having the right foundation. Talk to us a little bit about what you think in terms of just the impact. And I think everybody, you know, everybody wants to know what's the return on investment, right? right. I mean, uh, it's, yeah. it's just oh, yeah. the world we live in. 
Right. But I, I love what I had with one of our suppliers who, you know, they, they came in and, and we, and this of course was pre-COVID, but they saw the Accenture office because we would bring them in because they could get exposed to more people. Mm-hmm. And um, they love the office format. So if you see me, there's nothing on my wall here. It's like a hoteling. Um, so I have mm-hmm. to, you know, register to get um, an office when I come in but it's so many open spaces. So the supplier liked that. They talked to their mentor and they're like, we like the way this office is laid out. We shared our floor plans. This Mm -hmm. supplier took that, applied that model to their business. Their employee intention improved, their employee morale improved, and they were able to, you know, collaborate more just based on seeing a space. So I measure that on, did they apply those learnings in -hmm. this program to their business? Spend's going to always come. So I I never like this in metric in place. That's going to come. We all want everybody to grow. But what else have they learned to put that in? Employee retention with the supplier is important because if you're leveraging them, you want to know that they have, you know, a mechanism in place to keep their employees. And so that's one of those metrics that you're looking at. Have they applied those learnings to their Mm -hmm. business? And what is that outcome? Right. And so and communication is another metric that I have on there. So important. Right. How are you telling the story? That's one of the trainings that we have. And and I was so upset when Accenture made us take storytelling. I'm like, no, it's a real thing. It is a real thing, though. (laughs) It was the best training I would have to say. And we provide that in our mentoring program. Nice. A diverse supplier needs to be able to tell that story for a different audience. And Mm -hmm. so that is one which I think is so important. And that's why I have a metric. We start them out in the very beginning. They do a one minute like, you know, elevator pitch and we bring people in. They have no idea who we're bringing in. So sometimes Mm -hmm. I've brought in our clients. That ah, are looking nice. for suppliers. And you they're in front of them. If you gotta have a business, you've got to be ready on the spot to on do that. Yep. We record yep. them and then we let them see that over the end, we have them re-record that and we play that side by side. Yeah. And we let them see the growth that they've had. But when you start mm-hmm. thinking about metrics too, we talked about this earlier. I know we do want to include diverse suppliers in every RFP. But it's what are the ones you're drill that down? Yeah. What opportunities mm-hmm. have they won? And what is that percent rate that they have to win that RFP? Yeah. Yes. Did they win that RFP? If they didn't, did you find out why? And did you, you know, were you able to explain that to that supplier? And then are they a great candidate to come into a mentoring program? Right. Mm-hmm. So you find a lot of them there. So it's how many did they win? Why? And how can you turn that into a success story? Right. So it's drilling down the metrics. I think mm-hmm. the high metrics everyone has. Yeah. What's the spin? How many suppliers are included in an RFP? Those are those are high level. High level. How mm-hmm. many did they win and in what categories? You know, what What was the incumbent that was in there? Drill down those metrics. And are there anything on collaboration? Yeah. And, and that is important that can you work side by side with a diverse supplier? So, and Adam, you said this, the model has changed. 
Yes. The thing that we need to understand is how can we leverage that and really drive that change? Mm -hmm. And that is by going collaborating. Am I saying that I like to say is collaborate and co-innovate? Oh, I like that. I love that. that. I think that we all look for an opportunity. You know, as procurement Mm -hmm. sourcing people, I don't have an opportunity. Doesn't mean that it's not there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Let's innovate on that. Well, because you're so you're the way that you think about it, you know, and just just listening to you, you're very thoughtful about the why. Right. So even when someone is like, oh, well, they didn't win. Well, why? Well, why? Well, why? Because then it spurs them to think about a little bit more, because I can't even tell you how many companies it's like, you know, you talked about the metric. You know, you put a small business up against, you know, let's say an Accenture or someone else and you're like, well, why didn't they win? Well, because they're competing against some of the world's best. So, I mean, in terms of just, you, we're not even comparing apples to apples, put them on a level playing field. Exactly. But sometimes people don't even think about that unless you ask the why. Why didn't they win? Who are they competing against? And then it starts to get people thinking like, oh, maybe we should have thought about this a little differently. Exactly. So that's what we do with our sourcing and when they're included and they're like, we ask when we see this and we're like, okay, this is a $50 million deal, but you have a supplier on there and the largest they've delivered has been 2 million. And so that's where actually my new role of the center of excellence kind of came out. I was like, well, then there has to be maybe what you can carve out of that 50 million. Right, right. And right. say, and be creative and be proactive. And so that's the other thing is we have to be proactive. So I have, those are metrics that we're doing is where can we identify future work with a diverse supplier? And to your point, Chloe, it, it's you can't compare apples to oranges. So someone is doing that $2 million. They're probably doing that exceptionally well. Well, then let's get them to carve that out so they can grow upon that. And then so the next year they could maybe do a six million or 10 million, but you have to set it up to be successful. You're not setting it up. And that goes back to our campaign that we ran that I still run every fiscal year is it's greater than a checkbox. You're not going to just check that box and say, I have, I got my woman owned business. I'm good. Right. Right. Yep. And I think also just, you know, we're talking mostly about, you know, corporations and speaking to corporations, but just if we can switch to the small business side, if you are a small business and you're presented with a $50 million opportunity and and, and to Nidra's point, you've only done $2 million, realizing maybe I shouldn't respond to this because it takes a whole nother business infrastructure to even move to $10 million or $15 million, let alone 50. So making sure that you are spending your time where it needs to be and that you're positioning yourself to grow, but scalably and at the right time and that you have the right operational processes in place, because just saying you could do the business because you have the capability doesn't necessarily mean you can scale that quickly so fast. That that is so true because, you know, on that point is we we do um one of our set curriculums in the mentoring program is about RFP responses. And it's about where it's okay to say no. There are times when we say no, we're not responding to that. And we don't look at you and say, oh, they said no. You know, to me, you're understanding your business, you're understanding your capacity to deliver this business, and you're being 
respectful, not of the sourcing team, not having to score this, knowing that you're not able to compete on this. So letting everyone know that it's okay to say no. But then the other thing I think some of the small businesses miss out on is it's okay to partner with each other. Absolutely. Um, you know, Thank and you. so we had a graduate of our UK program partner with our graduate of our US program. They formed a business and they are doing well. You know, they took their specialty, they took that one and they were able to to have a business in both countries. And so I think there's nothing wrong with, you know, doing business with each other to solve an issue. No, right. no, not at all. But, you know, I, I want to go back to to one other point, too, on the RFPs. And, you know, I have done kind of the opposite of what Nidra said, right? I've actually put a very small supplier in a very large RFP. But it was, again, I had intentionality. I also understood all the personalities there at the table. And I had a very stubborn service manager that I have been trying to kind of get on the supplier diversity train, right? And I even told them up front, I'm like, look, I'm putting this person in the RFP. They're not going to win. I get it. We all understand that. I was like, but I want you to evaluate them formally mm -hmm. through the RFP process. It's like I kind of had to stand, stand on their shoulder a little bit and go, you're going to look at a diverse supplier, right? Yeah. And, and I, I went to the that. diverse supplier and I said, you're not going to win. Okay. I love you. Yeah. You're not going to win. Okay. But do this. That's it was it. great because I was then able to go back to the, the small you're supplier and say, this. okay, yeah. <laughs> what I've been telling you is true. Look at the comments that came back. And then I was able to go to the service manager and they're like, well, it's that a wasn't good so learning scary. opportunity like, no, for you. Kidding. I love that, Adam. I absolutely love that. And, and I think supplier diversity, we have to be creative in that. And we, we've got to try to look beyond this. We've been doing supplier diversity far too long. When is it going to be, you know, the, the cutoff part, right? Is that, when is it that that I, someone said, you know, if I just could my magic wand and that I would have a bid and I just open it up to the qualified suppliers. <laughs> <laughs> I said, you know, and and if it happens to be one owned by a woman owned by, you know, LGBT. OK, you know, right. it's, it's like I don't want to <laughs> just you know, force it all the time. But Adam, I think what you did was genius Thank because you. it did take that layer of fear off yeah. of your sourcing yeah. people. Mm -hmm. But then it also gave that supplier a chance to, to learn that, okay, yeah, maybe I don't need to go and do this one right now, but now I know why. And, and back to you, Chloe, I do love the why, because it's, it's like, I think you've got to learn, you know, I want to know something. It's like, you know, if somebody on my team doesn't get promoted, why? Because I want to know that I can teach them to learn what they need to work on the next year. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, and, and that's the whole thing I'm hearing too, right? I mean, if you're going to get into supplier diversity or you're going to want to try to get into it full time, maybe you've been listening to this podcast, like, man, this is an exciting field. You have to be ready for the no. You have to be ready for people to literally be like, that's great. See ya. Right. <laughs> but, exactly. but you can't then just walk away and go, okay, well, I, I guess they're, they're not going to, no, no. Remember, no is only an opening position mm -hmm. in a negotiation. Exactly. And I always tell everybody, there's only two answers, yes and no. So right. Right. you won't know if you don't ask or if you don't try. And so, um, and I think, you know, if for anyone yes. wanting to get into supplier diversity, it is the most rewarding, oh, but it yes. is absolutely challenging. And 
But, you know, I think, you know, someone told me that if it doesn't scare you, your dream isn't big enough. I love it. And, I love you know, it. And it's, it's like, sometimes I've stepped into this yeah. center of excellence and I'm like, wow, I've got to tell Accenture I'm carving out some of their money. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. I just kind of start opening up with that. Right. And so yeah. to my surprise that that's where their interest. So the, they're like, okay, you piqued my interest. Now you're telling me you're going to help me, but now you're telling me you're taking money away from me. <laughs> Yeah, and, like, uh, and yeah, so please reconcile I, that. It, exactly. Mm. <laughs> but um right, exactly. That's right. We got to balance it out. It, it must exactly. balance. It must balance. It it is balanced, but I think in the end yes, and what yes, I found yes. because I ask a lot of our mentors, what did you learn, especially those that did push back? Um and they were like that I wasn't casting a wider net. I was missing ah. out on some innovation because I was swimming in this one lane and uh-huh. there was nothing wrong with swimming in that one lane, but sure. I was like, what happens yeah. if I move those ropes? And they're like, wow, I learned some things that I was able to bring to my client that I was partnering with the supplier diversity team and the small business. So those are the things that I look for, for someone who was like, nope, I'm just swimming right here. Yeah, I'm good. Wrong. I have my, I have my diverse supplier need you to leave me alone, leave me alone. And I'm steady trying to move those ropes just a little to just to a see, touch, just a touch. And, and those are the stories. <laughs> but I think once you get those stories, the importance of why I have so many of yes, those mentors yeah. is I will share a success story until you're like, I have everybody knowing it by heart. <laughs> <laughs> like you don't even need it's me to say yes. yeah it's important to share your wins and for people to continuously because even just reading it I think it starts to just change people's hearts and minds because they're able to this okay conceptually see this is how supplier diversity and, and, and making that connection between what you guys are doing and how you're making a difference because sometimes I think we think it's intuitive but it's not exactly it's really really not exactly and I think you know I shared the story with you that would bury technology um and Demi that came through our mentoring program and just won a 32 million dollar awesome. contract what I liked what I liked that she did was she showed me her notes from three years uh, ago in the program. Uh, and she's like, I was responding to this RFP and I was like, oh, that's not what they told me. They told me something on how to explain it. And it was in our RFP class. We literally take them through an RFP. Nice. We take them through what we call orals. You know, when you're actually yeah. presenting yep. it, she went back to her notes, actually changed that. And she was like, had she not changed that from that notes, she would not have won that. Fascinating. So to me, that's again, is those metrics that's coming back mm-hmm. to, are you teaching tangible lesson, mm-hmm. lessons yeah. that are going to be sustainable for that business to grow year mm-hmm. over year? We have to turn right. in hours year over year, yes. right? And, and we know right. spend is going right. to come, but are they able to hire more people? Are they training wow. their yep. people? Are they training themselves? Are they communicating mm-hmm. their success stories and what they're doing? Are they collaborating with other people? I use all of those KPIs. I use all of those metrics. And um, and we have an alumni uh-huh. association. Oh, so nice. we- 
continue to um, meet with our alumni. And then the best thing um, about it, again, too, is what we've been able to do, if I say what some of one of my proudest moments is how we're able to collaborate with and co-innovate with the diverse suppliers. Mm -hmm. So on our digital tool, and Chloe, you know, I've I've told you about this one, it's my baby to heart Mm -hmm. that's always evolving, is, you know, having a diverse supplier that's bold and honest enough to say, I love your program, but it just needs to be a little (laughs) more, you know, together. And I'm like, let's do this. And tell me how, yes. And we did. And so, you know, I have to let this supplier know, I'm going to buy this concept from you. And, you know, such a funny story because the number he gave me and I was like, oh, it's, I'm not buying it. Except right. Buying it. <laughs> Please. You're right. Yeah. Don't, Please don't give me the family discount. You know, but then I want you to be able to take what we're doing and buy something else. So to see what he did with that money was to go out and purchase a building that he now has a whole training facility to where he's training people in the community that's not able to do a four-year college degree, but teaching technical skills because he was bold enough to say, I have this concept that can make this program better. And, And look at that whole impact. If I, that to me is the, definitely balances out the frustration that we supplier diversity professionals have, right? And, um, but I, I just get to meet great people like both of you that I would think that would be my other, you know, really great thing about supplier diversity, because even if you leave, you still get to stay with us. I call it like a family, right? So friends that become family. Um, and you get to share best practices. It's, so I, I the love community, the supplier diversity community is like none I have ever worked with. And I'm telling you, I would agree. I have, it's full of passionate people who are willing to move the needle. Yeah. Yeah. And, and push, push each other. Envelope. So, I mean, I, I, I love mm-hmm. yes. Absolutely. And, and yeah, that's very important too. And yeah, support each other. Yeah. Yeah. So our last question for you, Nidra, I know that you have served on a lot of different boards, you know, talk to us a little bit about um, your involvement in boards, how it's shaped your sort of overall outlook of supplier equity and inclusion in sustainability and how important you think it is for other supplier diversity professionals to get involved at the board level. Wow. That's a, that's a, a loaded one. Um, I, we specialize in them. Yes, I, I yes. love it. Um, and, and, you know, as I said earlier, my, my model of building the house and when I say investment, I think that's where corporations get, you know, involved. You become a corporate member. Innovation to me is where when you're on that board, you're really looking at where you can help apply some difference to help that board really, you know, get more information to the to the diverse suppliers. I think the involvement is what's so important by being a board member. And when I say involvement, that means that you're really helping to shape that strategy and that you're calling them out when something isn't right. And I had to do that at the start of COVID because I'm like, okay, your moneymakers are gone. Here's a great time to now really become innovative. Look in your supply base and see how can you become innovative? And now the term that's overused, how do you pivot, right? 
to something different because that's gone. I don't think we'll ever go back to those 5,000, 7,000, you know, in-person dinners, right? The food we never eat. What's the value prop? And I think for corporations, they have to get involved to set that value prop and see what you're needing in the market. So it's got to be more than us just saying we're a board member. That we've actually got to get in there and see what can we do to help evolve those small businesses and set that strategy for growth. And I think 2022 is going to be so important for the boards because so many corporates join these boards during COVID and after joining. Mm-hmm. Yes, they did. Yes. So they did <laughs> see a surplus of money. Yeah. I would yeah. like to see the boards be that first step with the small diverse suppliers. And they could even be starting on how, what is your business? You can't say I'm a marketing No. Firm. Are yeah. you digital? Are you, you know, what, what is that? Right. I need a little more. So I think corporations really have to begin to hold the boards accountable mm-hmm. for really being that bridge to small and diverse mm-hmm. suppliers. Absolutely. Amazing. Absolutely. Yes. I agree with you 100%, 100%. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Nidra. This has been amazing. Oh, no, thank you. This is great. I actually, I think, again, I keep saying this, we have to come in our innovation hub. I'm seeing more and more people coming in because I'm a big component. We'll get lost in email. I think we've done well in the virtual for the last two years. I want to whiteboard some stuff out. I want some action out of it. I'm down for it. I am down for it. I I want to leave out with an action because if it's waiting on me to get it in my email, it is waiting. And I don't want that anymore. That's my personal goal is I want to whiteboard it and it has to become an action because Chloe, you and I are now going on four months, four or five months. And so- we need to get into whiteboard it. So I'm grateful. This is great. Yes. This actually made my Thursday. So oh, thank you all very much. This made my Thursday. I was getting teary eyed <laughs> by some of your responses. I'm just like, oh, this is so good. You guys are phenomenal. You guys are phenomenal. And, you know, anytime that we can do this together, I love it. So I'm grateful. Thank you very much. Awesome. Yes, yes, thank yes, you yes. so much. And to all of our listeners, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure you leave a review on Apple Podcasts and check out our previous show. Stay tuned for next time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground. We are grateful for the time you spend with us in participating in these conversations. Please review and rate and share our show as we are focused on growing awareness in the supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity space. If you'd like more information, please visit us at higherground.io. That's H-I-R-E ground dot I-O. Thank you for being here and we look forward to seeing you next week.